0: Even with that defense being great, at some point they're going to get in the shootout. He's a great coordinator, not a great head coach. I think there's one thing we're all saying for a fact. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Gold Line Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Seifer, also known as No Huddle NFL on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. That is No Huddle NFL with no capitals and no spaces. Also available on Twitter or X whatever you want to call it, at NoHuddleNFL, yet again, no capitals in those spaces, with an underscore at the end. Very special episode for you guys, because this is the last episode of the podcast before the season officially ends, which means we only have one thing to do and one thing only. We are going to be talking about previewing the big game, the biggest event in America, other than the election coming up every year. Okay. Some may argue more important than the election. The Super Bowl. Chiefs versus Niners. Gives you deja vu, right? Should be a really, really fun game. Super excited to talk about it. And I brought on a guest. How are you doing today, Kurt?
1: Doing okay. Thanks for having me on for the second time.
0: Yeah, I had you on earlier. It was, I, I want to say, about week. Let's go with week seven, week six uh it, w- it was like late october i want to say really enjoyed having you on then really excited to talk ball with you again now that not only have the playoffs started the playoffs are about to end super excited to get into this big game with you we're gonna be going deep into the nitty-gritty of this game okay and i always look at every football game like there really is two games being played there is the team one offense versus team two defense and then team two defense or team two offense versus team one defense and it's crazy because those are two entirely different games connected by special teams and because of the fact that those two games are connected that causes those units to play a different style of ball something i love about the sport of football but let's start by talking about The first game within the game, 49ers offense versus Chiefs defense. How do you feel about that matchup? Because this is what I'm excited for. This is the thing that's getting butts in seats, all right? This is the matchup that makes the Super Bowl the Super Bowl. This is the elite of the elite offense versus a defense that has been on fire as of late, making the mvp favorite look like mediocrity even making an offense that has been so great on the ground have a pretty bad day on the ground a defense that has just looked amazing all playoffs whether it's the bills dolphins or ravens they've been killing it but then the 49ers that offense is superb okay absolutely electrifying they've been all season so tell me, between one of the top offenses in the league and one of the top defenses in the league facing off against each other in Vegas, who do you have winning that matchup? Before we go deep into why, I'm curious who you have overall winning it.
1: For me, it has to be the Chiefs defense, and I want to explain why. I do think that the 49ers offense is probably one of the best in the league. However, I don't think that that offense is essentially like unbeatable or, you know, unstoppable. I've seen this offense before against physical defensive struggle. You go back to when they played against Cleveland, you know, I don't want to go back way that far. You, they kind of given teams a little bit of a blueprint on how to limit that offense in terms of how you need to play it because their offensive line I think for the 49ers their interior is a little bit of a weakness when I look at the film you know we have Spencer Bur- Burford you know Colin McKivitz, I don't know who's their center Sorry, It might be John Feliciano but you know the interior offensive line has been a bit of a struggle and you know the tackle spot the right tackle outside of you know Trent Williams starting opposite at the left he's a little bit of a question mark as well so you know that, that battle will be determined in the trenches. And when I look back at the film, the Chiefs, their pass rush is a little bit consistent, but I wouldn't say inconsistent, but it's consistent. You have someone like Chris Jones who can cause wreckage in the interior. George Karwaptis is pretty solid. But after losing Charles O'Menahue to a torn ACL, I do worry about that pass rush a little bit, but their corners are sticky in coverage. And when I rewatch the 49ers and the Browns, and, you know, I'm going back to that, the Browns secondary gave that 49ers wide receiver rooms some pitch. What they did was basically play man, jam them, disrupt their time with Brad Purdy, make him process the field a little bit more, and allow him to make, you know, those quick decisions. And, you know, Brad kind of struggled with that. I do think Steve Spagnolo is one of the most underrated defensive coordinators in the league so far. He has done a tremendous job with that group in terms of how that group is playing because they were able to shut down Lamar it made him, you know, a little bit mortal in that area. And Brock Purdy going against a really talented defense in the Kansas City Chiefs, I think he will struggle, but I think he will find ways to make plays. But against the defense, you know, they're not nearly, you know, well-known in terms of their star power, but they have guys and they that can cause issues. They don't have the stars, but they do have guys who can cause issues in terms of, you know, the defensive line, in terms of Chris Jones. Lajarius Need, who should have been a pro bowler this year, you know, their safeties are kind of okay, but, you know, they don't make them the stars, but overall as a unit, they're playing cohesive, and they're probably playing as the best as they have been this season.
0: Yeah, it's a defense that has guys, okay? It has guys, but it, like you said, it doesn't have, like, those studs. They have Chris Jones, and then I would argue Legarius Need is a stud. But then besides that, it's not like they have, like, the elite of the elite. But it's so much better than the some of its parts. Even the safeties. Justin Reed. The D backs, you got McDuffie, you got Sneed, who we mentioned. Then the linebacker core, you got Bolton, you got Chanel. Like these are guys who are athletes, superb, can do a little bit of everything. You got Tranquil, another linebacker, and then on the defensive line, you got Chris Jones, who I mentioned, he's a stud. But then you also got Mike Dana. They have George Carlaftis. Those guys, for the most part, aren't like these absolute world beaters, but they execute what Spagnolo needs them to. Okay, Spagnolo wants to blitz. He's going to blitz D backs. He's going to blitz whatever he feels like he needs to blitz in order to get pressure. But if he needs to only rush for, he will do it. That's what I really like about Spagnolo. He's willing to adjust based on how the game is playing out. That's how the good defensive coordinators are. Absolutely. It's a defense that is going to run a lot of man coverage. They are one of the few defenses that don't run too much cover three. They're going to run a lot of these like too high shells, and they're going to feel really comfortable doing it. And that's part of the reason that they struggle against the run. right? This is a run defense that isn't known to be overly great. However, the 49ers' main run play, outside zone, that's a play that... The Chiefs are better at stopping because their D-backs can make tackles. McDuffie is great against the run. And that's going to force the 49ers to pivot from an outside zone heavy offense to more of inside zone gap scheme type stuff. And I think that could absolutely work. In fact, inside zone is something that they're very very good at running and this is one of the matchups I think that this is one of the matchups I think works in the 49ers' favor. The 49ers are great at running inside zone, but the Chiefs' run defense is ranked 31st in terms of yards per carry allowed versus that exact concept. Which means McCaffrey should have a day, is pretty much what I'm trying to say. McCaffrey is going to have a day, but it's not going to be the way he's used to having it. It is a way we've seen him ball out before, but it's not gonna be quite the same formula for success, but it still will be success. Or at least that's what I believe. How do you think Spagnolo is gonna go about adjusting to benefit his run game if it is struggling like I expected to? I would
1: imagine Yeah, I would imagine he would try something similar to what he did against I'm gonna say what he did against Baltimore, but it's going to be Interesting to how he matches up because as you mentioned before when it comes to interior wise, they aren't really good against the thing to run but I Imagine that Shanahan will try to scheme something up to make you know Spagnuolo think a little bit because you really want to run outside zone against these corners I wouldn't do that. I would run inside and try to put pressure on that defense to stop them interior wise because when baltimore ran those inside zone concepts as you mentioned before they were success when it when they ran it but when they got away from it you know it was like well why is that the case so in terms of how i think spags is going to approach this he might i wouldn't say he might but he could potentially you know why, not widen but lower the, the splits a little bit between defensive tackles like make things a little bit difficult, you know, force McCaffrey to bounce outside and force, you know, those corners to make a play in terms of the run defense, you know, you know, sort of splits a little bit, condense the formations a little bit and make McCaffrey bounce outside and let his cornerbacks, you know, do the dirty work in terms of that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think it's a little bit of a risky approach, but I definitely think an approach of, using the D-linemen just to force the run outside and having the D-backs clean it up. First off, very few teams can rely on their D-backs to make that happen, but the Chiefs are definitely the type of team that can do something like that, approach the game like that. It also helps that they have linebackers like Tranquil, like Leo Chanel, like Bolton, that are also very good at cleaning up. And now that we're talking about the defensive front Let's talk about the fact I don't think this is going to be the type of game where we see the usual 4-2 and 3-3 front that we see from the Chiefs. I think we're going to see more 4-3, just straight base. I don't think this is going to be a big nickel game for them. Now, they've been great in nickel all season because, well, we talked about it, their cornerbacks might as well be linebackers because of how good they are at defending the run. But I think this is going to be a game where they're going to be running a lot more base personnel and they're going to try and stop the run by doing that they're going to devote the bodies to stopping the run and I think McCaffrey's still going to have a good game but if they are in that position if the Chiefs are running that 4-3 formation and the running game for the 49ers can't really get going too much how do you feel about the 49ers receivers and how they match up against this group of kansas city d-backs because we talked about the d-backs as tacklers how about his coverage guys
1: i do worry about them i do worry about the you know 49ers receivers because you know you know don't want to sound like a broken record but going back to when they went against cleveland the DBs were essentially playing man coverage the entire time. What that usually allows them to do is just press them at the line of scrimmage and force them to get separation. And we're going against a cornerback group in Kansas City with guys like Darius Need, Trent McDuffie. Those are guys who are top-tier quality corners. So you have Debo and Iuk quality wide receivers themselves. So when you have to go against those guys, you're going to have to force. You're going to have to basically jam them at the wide receiver at the line of scrimmage. Worth, you know, disrupt their timing a little bit and make Brock Purdy become a bit of a processor and make him make those tough throws. And if you do that, you're probably set him up to make, you know, a mistake or two because I imagine the Chiefs are going to play a little bit more man. They're not gonna let they're not gonna play any zone and let Brock Purdy, you know, dink and dunk down the field. Because against the Lions, and I saw this when it happened before, when the Lions played man against those receivers they were getting open you know, they were getting separations. So against these DVs, you want to, you know, pick your poison. Do you really want these wide receivers to basically beat you in terms of the yak game? Because, you know, if you dump it down to them, they can turn a five-yard game into a 20-yard game. That's how deadly they are in terms of Debo and Iuk. But I believe with how well these Chiefs DBs are playing, they were able to shut down Tyreek Hill. They were able to shut down the Ravens wide receiver room in some areas Aside from, you know, the deep shots that they flowers, the wide receiver, their, their DBs, I believe, can do a quality job in, you know, limiting them. If you could press them on the line of scrimmage, disrupt the timing, make things a little bit more difficult, you may have a shot in this game. Because the Lions, they basically made things easier when they play man coverage against these wide receivers, and they didn't have the personnel to do that. I think the just have the personnel to do that.
0: And that's exactly it. What well, you were just describing, running a lot of man, running press coverage, that is exactly what the Chiefs have been doing all year. That's what they like to do. LeJerry Snead, again, we've talked about him. I'm here to talk about him more. What he has done this year as a press man <laughs> corner has been ridiculous. He has been insane in press man coverage all year long. He will shadow receivers. Something you don't see Spagnolo let corners do that often. But LeJerry Snead, he makes the exception. He says, okay, yeah, we'll just let you follow. Their their best receiver. Now the question is, which receiver do you put Sneed on? Right. I I do think a lot of people go Ayuk, and I also am gonna say Ayuk, but I definitely would entertain. The I would idea. say,
1: I would say I'd put Sneed on Debo, and I would put McDuffie on Ayuk. And I say put Snead on Debo is because Debo is someone I wouldn't say. He struggles for getting open. I think he can usually get open if he has an opportunity. But I feel as if, though, because when I watch Debo, the one thing I notice is that his y- yards after the catch ability is really an underrated trait of his game. Yeah, but he not you big. think?
0: I, I think a lot of people recognize that Debo is a great yards after catch receiver. Don't you think that Trent McDuffie has been so good as a tackler, so great at limiting yards after catch? that's a better idea to have McDuffie on him and then Snead, the better coverage guy, who's also a very good tackler. But you put him on the better route runner in Ayuk, isn't that a more, you know, logical matchup there?
1: Uh, you do have a point there, but I would, you know, mix it up on occasion. You know, yeah. not yeah, keep the, one guy on the same. And but, normally, yeah.
0: I like that you mentioned that because normally that's what Spagnolo does. Normally he doesn't have just one guy Follow the same receiver throughout the game. That's normally how he is. Not many defensive coordinators like to just have this guy locked on to that receiver. Because it makes you one-dimensional. And it restricts what you could do. In terms of X's and O's and disguising coverages. However, the Chiefs, specifically Spagnuolo, likes Snead so much as a press man defender... He's fine just making up disguise coverages with the other guys, and then Snead is doing the same thing every damn play. They're very comfortable doing that, and I don't think that stops here.
1: Yeah, you make a valid point there, but it was was essentially like a suggestion I thought about. But if you can press those guys and, you know, disrupt the timing of it, you have a shot there because I've seen how Brock Purdy looks when – the receivers aren't getting open. He kind of, you know, second guesses. He hesitates a little bit. Sometimes he forces something that's not there. Sometimes he will press late when he doesn't have to. But I think these corners match up really well against this group. And they
0: definitely do. I definitely agree. And it also won't help Purdy if he's in a spot where the 4-3 base personnel that Spagnola might be sending out really prevents the run game from getting going because then they're going to have to rely on Purdy more hitting those throws how do you think Purdy is going to be able to convert third and eight if Ayuk and Samuel are consistently really getting clamped up do you think it's possible for him to go about it do we see him maybe use his legs again like he did in the Detroit game or how does he go about you know kind (laughs) of just making plays himself like we saw towards the end of the Packers game and towards the end of the Detroit game.
1: I think the thing about Brock Purdy's game is that people tend to think that he's not someone that can, you know, move. He's kind of like a statue, but that's not the case there. He could take off whenever we, he can take off if he has green grass to have him as we saw last week. against, you know, a couple weeks ago against the lions and how he, and against the Packers. So, if he has an opening and those receivers are getting pressed and he doesn't have anywhere to throw it, I would expect him to take off with it. But it is kind of risky. He's not someone who's a speed demon. He's not going to beat you with his legs, but he could turn you know, a potential sack into like a five- or six-yard gain, depending if he gets to where he is. But these Chiefs linebackers are athletic enough to stop him in his track. I don't think they'll to put a spy on him, but they will make things difficult on him and if he decides to, you know, take a little bit of a risk and force something that's not there, that's going to be dangerous because his Chiefs' defense is disciplined and they do not make mistakes. This is a defense you can't really make mistakes against because they'll make you pay for it. And I think if Purdy is in a situation where he has to press late, they're going to make him pay because I feel as if those bags are going to dial up some exotic looks and confuse Purdy a little bit and force him into making a bad decision. Because if you force him into making mistakes and disrupt him and you get in his face and make things difficult, you might have a shot and win this game. I think Kansas City can get pressure with Chris Jones. I think they can get pressure with Carloftis. Loftus. I don't think they have to do what Detroit did in the NFC Championship game. And what Detroit did was overload one side of the defensive side of the ball to try to pressure Purdy. Purdy, at times, got rid of the ball. And they were able, and he was able to make these crazy passes. But if you have a physical defensive line and you can get pressure consistently, like Cleveland did, and how Baltimore did in the first meeting, you can make life uncomfortable. I think Kansas City can find ways to make Purdy uncomfortable, whether it's blitzes, unique sense. If he wants to play Chris Jones outside and bump him inside and use these and use different formations to kind of confuse Purdy, I think that he will. But the key for me when it comes to Purdy, you cannot make mistakes, as I've mentioned before. He has to be smart. He has to at least try to take what the defense gives him and not force anything that's there. So, you know, if he has CMC on a choice route and he sees IU running deep down the sideline, but, you know, he's being bracketed, hit deep, hit CMC on the choice route, don't force anything that's not there. So I expect him to try to not play, you know, play like Mahomes. I think he will play smart, and if he doesn't, you know, it's going to be a long day because this Chiefs defense is a lot better than what people think.
0: Absolutely. This Chiefs defense is a force to be reckoned with. There's no doubts about that. But let's go back to that talk on the line of scrimmage and specifically how you believe that they could win this game rushing – just their front four, and I definitely think that that's a theory they should entertain. But what do you think the role of the blitz for spagnola's defense is gonna be? <clears throat> because the the thing you have to keep in mind is Detroit definitely had a smart rationale when they were thinking, oh yeah, let's overlide let's overload one side of the field or one side of the offensive line. Because you mentioned it, it's Trent Williams and then who? Right? It's Trent Williams and who's on the other side? You got. Colton McKivitz, and then John Feliciana as the right tackle and the right guard. Okay, that's very exploitable. Very exploitable. And by blitzing those guys, and because you can't really trust too many of those 49 ers alignment linemen in one-on-one situations, you force McCaffrey to stay in protection, or, and, or slash and, you force Kittle into protection and there goes two of their top pass catchers as a result of that so what do you think the role of the blitz is going to be and how aggressive do you think spagnolo is going to be because we've seen him be very passive with the blitz we've seen him be very aggressive with the blitz he's very good at picking his spots how often do you think he's going to blitz from your personal i think because there's definitely ways it will benefit them but there's also some ways it will hurt them because they can get the pressure with just their front four if they need to.
1: I think when it comes to the blitzes, he'll only blitz in specific downs and situations. For example, if the 49ers, not the 49ers, yeah, the 49ers, if the 49ers find themselves in a third and long, I think Spags will dial up some form of blitz or stunt package in which he sends either Chanel or Bolton, and that essentially is going to cause some issues for Purdy because I believe that if you force Purdy to make, you know, these rough decisions, you know, does he quick does he process it quick enough to get rid of the ball quick instead of holding onto the ball and taking, you know, a sack or forcing something that's not there? I believe that Spaghetti will be able to exploit that. The problem is if the Chiefs are willing to exploit that and blitz Purdy, you have the potential of leaving George Kittle open in a situation in which, you know, he boxed for one second and he you know, slips out and, you know, he turns a five-yard gain into a 20-yard gain because I think Kyle Shanahan is going to find a way to exploit that in some areas. But the issue that I worry about when it comes to Spags, does he feel comfortable with, with his corners, you know, staying on a, you know, comfortable island? I think that he does. So what I worry about is whether or not Spags is going to blitz and whether or not Kyle Shanahan is going to formulate some form of route combinations that will get these receivers open in space and allow Burgen to make these, you know, difficult throws that we've seen.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think they could approach the blitz in a lot of different ways in this game. There's a lot of different ways they could utilize it. Do they want to use it as a trump card for, you know, important third downs? Do they want to just randomly send it when the 49ers aren't expecting it? Because we know Shanahan, he could find a solution if he could predict when the play is coming at him. And that's why Spagnuolo might want to do a second and ten there, and then a first and ten next time. And then the other time, he'll do it in a short yardage situation. And then maybe the next time, he'll do it in this situation. And it's just a whole bunch of different, okay, yeah, I see that you're doing that. I have a play to beat that, but I don't know when you're going to do it again. And Spagnuolo is so great at disguising stuff that Kyle can't just have a pre-snap check right he's gonna have to just guess when he's gonna do it and guess right so i think spagnolo is going to use it almost as a trump card while also just mixing it in every now and then and i think it's really going to work i think it's going to really get them stuck behind the chains, really forcing completions and like you said maybe even force an interception
1: yeah because on third down i have to save to my phone the chiefs blitz 47 percent of the time on third and 10 situations and what they'll probably do will send a blitz and they'll mix in either cover two or quarters coverage. And I think that will be a smart thing because if you play quarters and you send the blitz while well, you do doing that, you essentially have to make Brock Purdy essentially make a quick decision. So if it's third and 10, are you going to send both Chanel and Bolton and leave your secondary a little bit vulnerable, but I do think that they, they are quick enough to get into the backfield and force Purdy to make a tough decision because if you're blitzing Purdy, you're going to have to get rid of the ball quickly. I've seen Purdy get rid of the ball quickly and make bad decisions, or sometimes I see him scramble around and try to force something that's not there. As we saw last week, a couple of weeks ago, I guess when he had that interception by Malcolm Rodriguez, it felt like you know he was being pressed a little bit. The ball was hit But at the same time, they were able to blitz Birdie and make life uncomfortable for him.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Also, Chris Jones could have a monster day here. Both against the run, he's going to be crucial, and just the versatility. How they use him. I mean, you mentioned it. They could have him as a three tech and send a TE stunt where he loops over to the tackle and he's the contained player, and then the edge rusher goes back to replace. Chris Jones, they could just line him up at edge. They're gonna make him almost a matchup nightmare, and they're gonna force San Fran to just have Colton McKivicks attempt to block him, and it's not gonna go in the 49ers' favor. Who is it on the 49ers' offense? Loaded offense, obviously. Who is it do you think is gonna give the Chiefs the most
1: problems? I'd say Jawan Jennings because Jawan Jennings has stepped up and. In, it has made plays in which he had to step up, which his number has been called, you know, I would go with the typical, you know, oh, George Kittle or, you know, Debo or Ayuk. But Jawan Jennings is probably the one guy that I think could step up and, you know, contribute because he is someone who, you know, he's big and he's physical and he can get those guys after the cats too. And when Debo went out against the Packers, he stepped up in a big way. And in case Debo and IU are limited, depending on where Jennings is lined up on the field, he get opportunities to make the defense pay for the Kansas City Chiefs. So, you put Jennings in situations in which he can get open, whether it's on a drag route or you get him on a post route or get him open some way, somehow get him involved in the passing game. He has the opportunity to change the game, and since and I've seen it happen multiple times, I think he's probably the X factor on that team in terms of their passing game. If Devo and IU and Kittle are having their hands full, I look for Jawan Jennings to be involved in the passing game. I think he's an underrated contributor for the 49ers in this case.
0: And I really like that. I wouldn't say he's the most impactful, or he could be the most impactful, or have or cause the most problems, but I definitely do understand that take because we just went over it, Right. We went over it early in this analysis. For the Chiefs to defend the run here, they're going to have to go into their heavy base personnel. They're going to have to leave their comfort zone of nickel split shell coverages, right? But Juwan Mm -hmm. Jennings, if he's able to have a big day as the third wide receiver, then all of a sudden, the Chiefs are going to feel pressure to go back into their nickel set, and that will open lanes for McCaffrey again. Because we admit, in a situation where the where the Chiefs have a four or sorry six man box, CMC is probably going to hit a big run, a decently big run, a majority of the time. But when they're in that seven man box and they're base four or three, that's where you're like, okay, now we're concerned. But if Jawan Jennings is able to consistently beat Watson, or maybe they'll line up McDuffie on him. Then the then the Chiefs are gonna have a lot of a lot of trouble. Okay, if they are in a position where they feel like they have to put Watson on the field because whatever linebacker they have covering him, whatever linebacker they have covering Jawan Jennings can't do the job, then that's gonna open stuff up for McCaffrey. So yeah, I definitely think Jawan Jennings having a big day could be a key key factor in this game and who would totally or ends up winning it i really like that pick I, I don't think it was a very you know uh predictable one i think it was a, definitely a hot take but it's one that i could absolutely respect
1: yeah it's just someone that i thought about because Jennings has had you know impact plays before i think he's one of the unsung i wouldn't say unsung heroes on you know the 49ers but when he's had an opportunity he's made the most of it.
0: Absolutely. This will be a heck of a game to give him opportunities. Now, let's move on to the other game within the game. 49ers' v- defense versus the Chiefs' offense. Who do you have winning this matchup?
1: I'm going with the Chiefs' offense in this case. I mm-hmm. think when I look at the Chiefs' offense, you know, despite, you know, the stats not being great, the way that they're playing overall, you know, the receivers haven't been great, but they have a run game now with Isaiah Pacheco and they're able to run the ball consistently. Something that we haven't, you know, seen before when it comes to the chiefs offense. before it would just be, you know, air the ball out with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. It's not the case here with the incorporation of the run game. This Chiefs' offense, I wouldn't say it's lethal, but it's somewhat a good unit. And, I look at the quarterback himself, Patrick Mahomes, he's not going to take those deep shots down the field like we saw before. He's going to check it down. He's going to methodically with the ball down the field as like we saw last week, last a couple weeks ago against the Baltimore Ravens, in which they essentially said, you know what, we're gonna have these long drives just make the defense work for it. And I think the San Francisco 49ers, they can be success- successful to that. And also when I look at into how well this this offensive line has been, I do worry about them because Joe Tooney is going to be out, so Nick Allery is going to get a chance to play. But he's going against, you know, Javon Hargrave, Ken Law in the interior. So I'm curious to see how that works out. But if I had to go with who I trust in this, in this situation, I have to choose offense despite the weapons not being that great. I think that Rasheed Rice is going to get involved in the passing game. I think Travis Kelsey could be in line for, I will not say a huge day, but he could contribute. I expect Fred Warner to be on him, and I think that would be an interesting matchup to look forward to as well. When it comes to wide receivers, I think mvs you know, he will get an opportunity to get a chance to show what he can do. And depending on who else in the wide receiver room, you know, we might get Sky Moore if he gets activated or not. I'm not sure about that. But, you know, the rest of the 5 room, it has been underwhelming for the most part of the season. But they have played well as of late. You know, the drops, they have gone down. They're playing, you know, a little bit more confident. They're playing focused. You know, we're not seeing the issues that they had during the season pop up during the postseason, which is, you know, a little bit of a shocking surprise because I figured, I thought their inexperience in that room would be their downfall. But it hasn't been. It's not a strength But they have been producing when they have gotten a chance.
0: I mean, listen, there's no doubts about it. The Chiefs looked like such a weak team compared to what they were in the past, despite their defense being great. Because prior to that Raiders game, or until they looked themselves in the mirror after the Raiders game ended, this was a team going through an identity crisis. They were trying to force a square peg into a circle hole. Okay, that's what they were trying to do, and they were trying to do it repeatedly. Andy Reid's offense always has been about generating 1v1s whether the other team wants there to be a 1v1 or not. And normally, when you have Tyreek Hill, the receivers win that 1v1. But, they don't have those same receivers anymore. They don't. And now they have to really adjust in terms of how they are as a football team. It also didn't help that Kelsey just simply wasn't playing very well in the regular season. But now the team found their identity, Kelsey's playing better football, and the offense is completely different. It's way better now. They are more of a smash-mouth football team. They'll run the ball up your throat with Isaiah Pacheco. And then when they need a big play, Kelsey will make that big play. All right? The only pass catcher versus defender matchup that I like for Kansas City is Travis Kelsey against Fred Warner or Drake Greenlaw. And a big reason why is because... The 49ers run a lot of zone coverage, and Travis Kelsey is the best player against zone coverage I've seen in my entire life. Just that simple. So Kelsey should have a big day, and I think they are going to allow Kelsey and Pacheco to really lead them to victory while Mahomes is really taking the role of a game manager. You mentioned earlier, he's not really taking the deep shots down the field like he used to. It's because the team found their identity. They are now willing to take the... Four-yard completion more often. They're willing to take the underneath check down way more often. And then Rasheed Rice makes plays after the catch. It's no longer, and obviously Mahomes is still the best player on their team. He's one of the best players in football, if not the best player in football. But it's no longer the Mahomes makes magic happen show. It's now Mahomes is managing the game really well. And when he needs to make magic happen, he'll make it happen. But Mahomes is managing the game, distributing the ball properly and the weapons around him are making enough plays for the defense to win him the game.
1: Yeah, in terms of how Mahomes has played this season, you know, I think it has been a difficult season for Mahomes, but it's also a learning experience because he realizes, you know, these receivers, they're having a tough time. What can I do to make things easier for them? You know, at times it looks like he's getting frustrated with the receivers, but, you know, he's patient with them, and he's able to find... Any receiver on the team, and you say, you know what? I trust you right now. He's found that and received rice. And we talk about what makes Mahomes so great is his ability to extend plays, but his ability to make these ridiculous throws, or just pro- his ability to essentially take a game over without even having to do too much. Because before, when teams were playing, you know the, you know these cover two shows, and you know take away those explosive plays, we we're wondering how Mahomes will react to this, and he adjusted to it. He started dunking it down, you know, finding the underneath routes. And when I see Mahomes now, and I see how he looked against the first drive, against the Baltimore in that AFC championship game, I'm like, yeah, he's he still pat Mahomes. I wouldn't bet against him. So he's going against a 49ers defense that has been struggling as of late. I do worry about the 49ers corners a little bit because, you know, Favarius Ward, who is a stud, they also have D'Amador Lenore, but their nickelback in terms of Ambry Thomas, he has been getting picked on quite a bit. Before, when they were having their defensive struggles, Ambry Thomas was in the lineup, and they were putting Isaiah Oliver in there. Isaiah Oliver was struggling. They took him out, and Ambry Thomas came in. He filled in, you know, well enough for him, but now he's struggling again. So I worry about the 49ers' secondary a little bit in terms of how they're going to be targeted. I do think Darius Ward is going to handle business against Rasheed Rice, make things difficult. When it comes down to it, it's going to be based off of, okay, so if I can take away Travis Kelsey, who on the four, on the Chiefs wide receiving room can I trust to beat this 49ers secondary? Because the secondary is a little bit weakened, and I've seen it in terms of their quality of play. I I noticed a drop off when Talanova Hufanga went down. Absolutely. The secondary doesn't look the same. In terms of the pass defense and the run defense, because I was going to mention this later about the 49 run defense, it's a little bit suspect because Hufanga's not there. They don't have someone who could, you know, go down there and clean it up. And I think Jair Brown, you know, he's not close to what Hufanga is, but, you know, he has filled in and done well enough as he could. But against someone like Pacheco, you can't afford to not... you, You can't afford to not... Wrap this guy up because he will make you pay every time he gets the ball in his hands. Like he's going to physically impose as well. It's like punishing you for your mistakes. So I'm worried about the secondary a little bit. And in terms of the 49ers' past, rush, it's been a little bit inconsistent in terms of getting pressure. I do think that with Case Young, I would not say he's been a huge disappointment, but he hasn't flashed as much as I thought he would. So. In terms of that, I think he has to have a big day against these Chiefs tackles because these Chiefs tackles are not really that good. And I do think the offensive line is a little bit suspect. But I do think with Mahomes, and you have 15 back there, he can make something out of nothing. Well,
0: the the tackles are the weak spot on that O-line. There's no doubting that. But I, I, I want to stick with what you said about the run game because I do think having Hufanga fully healthy would absolutely be beneficial to them. However, when I watch the run defense, I see too many guys getting caught in the wash because they're being over-aggressive. Too many guys, you know, get in free and then get wiped out by a trap pulling guard. I see an over-aggressive defensive line, and that's very clearly how they're coached to be. And that causes them to rely more heavily on the cleanup guys, like Greenlaw, like Warner, like Hufanga, if he was healthy. And to me, that's been their big problem. Their defensive line, as talented as it is, they just haven't been playing anywhere near what you would expect when you see those big names. When you see the names Chase Young, when you see the names Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave, who they spent a lot of money on. When you see Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, who was a first-round pick, That should translate to more success, but it doesn't. Not even close. And that is really, really a problem because that's kind of what's going to be picked on in this game. You said that you're very concerned about Kelsey and who's going to guard him. And you said if they could guard Kelsey, I don't really know who else on the Chiefs you really like. But the way I look at it, The top priority for the 49ers should be stopping Pacheco. Should be stopping the running game. And I really struggle to see a world where they they can stop both that and Kelsey. Because listen, if they force Kelsey to have less than five catches, four catches, they win this game. They do. But that is really difficult to do unless you're going to let Pacheco get 200 yards really difficult. They they are just going to put the defenders in the middle, even though they have great defenders in the middle, and Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner, they're going to put them in so much conflict. I really struggle to I I really struggle to say with full confidence that Warner is going to have a great game. Even though he's a great linebacker, I think they're kind of going to pick on him just because they are so good at picking on the middle defenders.
1: It's just that the 49ers play a 4-3 defense, enough realize this when I rewatched watched the all twenty two. I do think they miss missed Aziz outside here who's not there anymore. Well, you have one they've
0: kind of made the switch from a four three to a four two. That's like the main reason. But it would be nice for them to at least have the versatility. We talked about it with the Chiefs, right? They like running nickel a lot. They like running their four two set a lot. But when they need to switch they'll make that switch. The forty ers don't feel comfortable making that switch. And that's the difference. The difference between these two defenses is the versatility. I mean, there's a lot of other differences, but that's one of the main ones.
1: Yeah, you make a valid point about the versatility that this defense has. It's just when they go to this 4-3 on occasion, because I think when they did it last uh, a couple weeks ago against the Detroit Lions, they had a really difficult time defending it. And I've noticed if they go against the Chiefs, and the Chiefs decide to do a little bit of outside zone. I don't necessarily trust them to hold up in that area because they find that comeback lane, it can get a little bit difficult for them.
0: And I I really look at how the 49ers D-line has been playing. I really think any run play except, like, duo should be really successful against them. I really do. I, I think, because, again, these D-linemen have been playing with much gap, uh, with much gap, responsibility or gap discipline is the right word here and I think that makes pin pull a very dominant play in fact pin pull has picked the 49ers apart we saw it early in that Detroit game it picks them apart because you have guys getting in free and then they try and make a play on the running back and in comes a pulling guard just wiping them off the face of the earth right it doesn't work out well for them i think it translates better to their pass rush but even that's been disappointing i think their defensive line has been extremely disappointing this year and that is the weakness on this defense it's not the secondary and it's definitely not the linebackers the the weakness is the guys on the line of scrimmage even though they devoted a lot of assets to it
1: yeah the defense you know i think the defensive line hasn't performed the way they needed to some of it has to do with the defensive coordinator. You know Steve Wilks, but I think overall the unit just needs to play better, especially in this game, because I expect them to. Be, but if they don't, it's going to be a long day for them.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned Steve Wilks and the type of defense he runs. It's very plain and boring. The Pretty much the exact opposite of what Spagnuolo runs. The Steve Wilks defense is a very, you see what you get. Type defense. There's no stunts. There's no pre-snap disguise coverages. There's no disguise blitzes either. The Chiefs run a lot of motion, and I don't think that it'll have a huge impact and cause miscommunication because the 49ers' stagnant defense is well stagnant. So they're not changing much based off motion. So I think that's the fact. It's a stagnant defense is a good and bad thing in this matchup. It's bad because. Per because Mahomes is going to know what defense is being ran a lot of the time. The O-line is going to know what type of blitz is coming at him. They're going to know what type of stunt, if there is a stunt, is coming at him. But it's also a good thing because when the Chiefs try and make a miscommunica- miscommunication happen, like they did against the Eagles last year, it, it's not going to happen. Those miscommunications aren't going to happen because they don't really change much of what they do because of motion. Okay, you might change the positioning of a defender, but the defender's responsibility is going to stay the same. And, again, that's a good and a bad thing.
1: Yeah, it is. I agree.
0: So, uh, that that's how I look at this. I also think the Chiefs need to stay ahead of the sticks. You know, Bosa getting sacks. Javon Hargrave getting sacks. Pretty much any D lineman getting tackles for loss or forcing sacks that is really going to be key here because the Chiefs this year don't like to operate behind the six at all and obviously no team really does but they aren't great at getting points out of drives where negative plays occur so that that's another key here for the 49ers they have to get splash plays defensively
1: yeah but I think we go against someone like Mahomes it's going to be kind of tricky oh it's is be ridiculously is- tricky because you think you might have a splash play against Mahomes that he just makes you pay. It's just going to be a really, really, I want not say really difficult, but it's going to be a little bit tough trying to force him to make mistakes.
0: <clears throat> well, it's not even force him to make mistakes. It's also just beat the O tackle or uh, make a tackle on Pacheco behind the line of scrimmage. But Pacheco is really, really difficult, really difficult to bring down let alone behind the line of scrimmage. That's nearly impossible. And then Mahomes is so good at, while being aggressive and while trying to throw the ball deep down the field, he's somehow, at the same time, very good at taking what the defense gives him. And he does it perfectly. He does the perfect balance of the two. And that's what makes this so difficult. It's going to be really hard to get those negative plays, but you got to be able to force them in order to win this game if you're San Fran.
1: Yeah, that's the only way they're going to have to do that. But with the way Mahomes has been playing, it's going to be really, really tough because he has not really turned the ball he's not attempted to turn the ball over. He has really been really been patient taking what the defense gives him and just methodically moving the ball down the field. And I think the 49ers defense, they're gonna to try to bait themselves. Try to bait Mahomes into making a mistake, but it and it, it might end up costing them.
0: It very well could. So before we make our picks, I just have one more question I wanna ask you. Which team is going to have to leave their comfort zone more in order to adapt and succeed against the opposing team?
1: It's going to be the 49ers. I say it's the 49ers because I look back at the Chiefs and the Ravens, the AFC championship game, and Lamar and that Ravens offense, they got away from what made them one of the best teams in the AFC this year. And what they did was try to say, you know what, Patrick Mahomes is over there. I have to show that I can hang with him. They didn't have to do that. For the 49ers, they are going to have to try or at least attempt to run the ball against his front. They cannot afford to let Brock Purdy take the game over with. My view on Brock Purdy is this. He's a good quarterback. However, I do not trust him with the game on the line i don't want the ball in his hands i do not want him making these 30 or 35 pass attempts a game and when you have Mahomes on your sideline you're going to be pressured to making these bad decisions and pressing and trying to force something there that's not there so for the 49ers in this case it's more about i view this game as a chess match like one team is going to make a smart move that's going to work Another team might make a smart, calculated move that might end up backfiring or end up working in their favor. So for the 49ers in this case, they're going to have to try to do something creative to beat Mahomes because when you're going against Mahomes, it's like I wouldn't say it's like going against Steph Curry with the Warriors, and you know, basketball reference there. It's that you don't want to make a mistake against him because he will make you pay and I've seen it before when it comes to the Chiefs' offense. Not the Chiefs' offense, but the Chiefs' in general. You feel that you have a safe lead against this team, and then you look up at the scoreboard, and it's tied. So the 49ers are going to have to go outside and their comfort not zone. Really not this defense.
0: Chiefs' team, though, no. Don't, don't you think that this Chiefs' team is way more, and I know they have Mahomes, so it's hard to say this, but the Chiefs would much rather play with a lead this current Chiefs team. It's no longer this team that'll, you know, pick you apart, throw in the ball, get 30-yard chunk play after 30-yard chunk play there, way more, like you said, methodical. They want to run the ball. They don't want to be behind this Chiefs team. They don't want to. And I, I think that could really say be said about both teams. Both teams like playing with a lead. And I, I think that's why it's such an interesting matchup. It's two teams that want to run the football, want to, you know, work the ball down the field through short passes and the running game and for me the big difference is the defense is better on the Chiefs it's just that simple uh and of course the Chiefs have experience here the 49ers have their guys of course who played in a big game like this but the fact is you got the best wide receiver or best receiving player and quarterback duo since Montana and Rice And that's really going
1: to do him favors in this one. Yeah, it is. And I do think that against the Chiefs, you know, I think Brock Purdy should not learn what Lamar did. And, you know, try to force to be something that he's not, you know, played the way that he needs to play. But I do think that if the 49ers were to get out, you know, get behind in this game, I do worry about whether or not this team is capable of coming back because against the two defenses that they played against, those defenses were not nearly as good as I think they were. The Packers' defense was more leaky, and the Lions' defense hasn't necessarily been great all year, despite what people might say. So you're going against a top-tier defense. Do you really trust them to come back? Because against Baltimore, against these great defenses, against Baltimore, against Cleveland, as I mentioned before, they tend to struggle when they are in a bit of a bind, so at, I at think if Kansas City that, gets up,
0: at least he showed that he's capable of, you know, being the jolt that allows them to get back in the game in both the Packers game and the Lions game. Although I do agree the defense is a completely different tier here, and that does definitely raise some concerns. But at least he showed he's capable of being the guy that elevates the roster to eventually win the game. So I I do, I don't feel comfortable locking in, oh, the 49ers are going to lose this game if they fall behind, but there definitely is reason for concern.
1: Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm.
0: So we both are picking the Chiefs here, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. What do you think the 49ers are going to have to do in order to prevent either of us from being right? And for me, it's crazy saying the Chiefs are winning this game because I've been going all year saying that the 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl. I said it before the season started, but now I'm backing up. I did not know the Chiefs were going to be this type of football team, and I think this type of football team matches up really well against them. But anyway, what do you think the 49ers have to do to prove me right from earlier and prove current me wrong?
1: For them to win this game... I think they're going to have to play, I wouldn't say a perfect game, but they can't leave points out on the board. And what I mean by that is they can't have these empty possessions in which they drive down the field and they come away with either three points or no points at all. And I do think that if it if this game comes down to making a key play, who do you rely on? Do you rely on Debo, Ayuk, or Kittle, or CMC? And I do think this is going to be like an underrated part to look at the kicking game, because Jake Moody has kind of struggled a little bit, and I know they're playing indoors, but we've seen him miss some pretty makeable field goals recently, mm-hmm. so if it comes down to that, I worry about that. But mm-hmm. for them, Young they're going to... Not- in
0: the playoffs. Young kicker in the playoffs. Dome or no dome, that's a lot of pressure.
1: Yeah, and when it comes down to it, I think their defense has to play a lot better than they have. Because La- In the NFC title game, they weren't really good in the first half. They were getting pushed around. There weren't guys, you know, getting a ton of pressure on golf. You know, the running game was getting gas, and they have to play a lot better than they need to because if they don't, this game could get out of hand quickly. So they need to play their style of football, but don't expect perfection. They need to play like the 49ers were used to seeing them play, like during – during the, before the season ended, when they were on that bit of a roll offensively, when the offense was clicking and things were going the way they needed to, so for them, it's essentially you know, don't play for, don't play necessarily perfect, play your style of football. What makes this what got you to where you are now? Because you're going against a Chiefs team that you could potentially beat, but however, you don't want to play the way that you want them to play. Don't play into Patrick Mahomes' hand. Don't force plays that aren't there. Don't try to force a throw. If you see Debo covered in double coverage and you see a chance to make a play, don't force it. Rob Purdy doesn't need to be a gambler. He just needs to play efficiently and effectively. And if he does that and if the defense is able to slow down this Chiefs offense, you have a chance.
0: I definitely, definitely agree. Well, that's all for this episode of the Goal Line podcast. I hope you all enjoyed. If you want more Kurtz content, feel free to plug yourself because you make great content and the people deserve to hear it.
1: Yeah, my Twitter is Curtis underscore Brown 21. I am also on TikTok at Uncle Kurt 56 I need to change the username. But also, you know, a little bit of uh, dropping, a little bit of breaking news here. I will be streaming on Twitch in the near future. It will either be, you know, coming to just talk about football or other topics but i will also be streaming some video games so you know for those people who like to watch you know video games i'll be streaming that i don't know when i'm going to get a schedule but also i'm going to be forming a podcast in the future i hope to have patrick on there as well and you know david miller as well miller football and jackson powers if i get a chance but those two things are in the works right now. But, you know, if you want to follow me on my socials, it's Curtis underscore Brown 21 on Twitter and also on D 56 on TikTok.
0: Yeah, thank you again for coming on. If you enjoyed and want more of my content, feel free to check out at NoHuddleNFL, no capitalization, no space on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. Also available on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, at NoHuddleNFL, NFL. No Huddle NFL. No capitals, no spaces with an underscore at the end. Thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And I'll see you all again after the season ends on Tuesday.